Welcome to the Unmanly Manly Podcast with Frank and Sergio. I'm Frank. And I'm Sergio. And we're here to talk about our experiences in many areas of our lives. We're just two dudes sharing our perspectives. Yeah, we may not be experts, but we have strong opinions that might resonate with you. Today, we're going to be talking about grieving, the grieving process, what we go through, how it shows up, how we try to cope with it, and the different things that could happen that can cause us to grieve. You know, it doesn't have to be losing somebody, although that's definitely one of the ways it can be changes in your life in general. And it has an impact on us in so many different ways where we're all melancholy, downtrodden, hurt. And we just aren't the same person we were um, up until that change happened and hit us. Yeah. And I know for me, like I, I, when I went through a bad breakup, that was referred to as a mourning period by someone else. That was the first time I heard of that and took that into consideration of like giving myself the space to, to grieve. And definitely like I chose this topic because I recently lost my father and I went through my phases pretty rapidly, and that's just me being me. I, I'm I, I'm very present to what's going on. I'm very connected to people. If I'm having a moment, I know I have to like build closure, let people know what's going on, let people know where I'm at. It, like weird kind of fast tracking myself, I, I guess. And and I also have that like kind of notion that I have to be the strong one, which is not true at all it's just how i operate and um in this case it was there but was prepared for that kind of trick of the mind there and i just said no i i can take this time for myself and i can really go through the healing process of it all and i and i just went through everything and i, I just saw like i'm at peace with my father i'm gonna miss my dad and you know i had my crying I had my uh, catharsis around it and that allowed me to be there for my the rest of my family my brothers and, and sisters and such and it's um, it's also just poignant right now because a lot of people are losing loved ones at this time you know it's the we're still in the middle of the pandemic I know we've lost a lot more people in the past year and now we've got this variant rolling around and but it's something like I think um People should know that, you know, they're not alone, that it's tough and it's okay to be where you're at, you know, and, and it's, it's a lot easier than you think maybe in the moment that you're not alone, that there's people you can reach out to and whether they're people that are, you know, close loved ones or just even someone professional, they can walk you through the paces of where you could go with this and what to make of it all because what is life and because we have no answer for that no one has an answer for that mm -hmm. in a certain way it's a freeing concept mm -hmm. the empty and meaningless of it all yeah yeah no and, and it makes sense because obviously that's a big loss um me personally around the same time that you lost your dad i lost my uncle yeah 
And this is someone who I was close to growing up, you know, fond memories of him coming and buying me and my brother and sister candies and sodas and wanting to know how we're doing. And, and he was always so happy to see us. Like, it was always a pleasant experience. The only thing is that for the majority of my life, I didn't spend a lot of time with him. I didn't see him often. But that didn't take away from the fact that when he died, um, it was painful. It was painful. And it also left me feeling like, wow, I should have spent more time with him. I should have seeked him out. You know, he a lot of his time was it was living in Dominican Republic and I didn't travel there often. But I was like, wow, I need to reconnect with my family. I need to um, stay in touch and see how they're, they're doing and, and, you know, just maintain and rebuild that connection. And that's kind of the, you know, what is life thing It's like it makes you reflect on how you're living your life. It brings up a lot of regrets, a lot of memories, both positive and negative. And it really makes you take stock in, do I need to make any changes in my life right now? Because I don't want to lose another family member and find myself in the same position where I'm like, wow, I should have like gotten to know them, gotten to, you know, connected with them and, and stayed in touch with them and, and even gotten to see them if, if, if I can. But um, the thing is that, Grieving also can be something that has nothing to do with losing somebody, you know, which was interesting for me when I was a student because I graduated this year and I actually lost my uncle around the same time, close to when I graduated. And when I finished school, I had to go through a grieving process that I'm still kind of going through now, a few months later, where I spent two years and a half almost going to school and I had this structure and a stressful and demanding as it was, it was something that I definitely got used to. And it was just my way of life. And despite the positive side of graduating, where I don't have to do the work anymore, I don't have all this load on top of me, it's definitely a stark change where I actually fell through a bit of depression and started to go through some of the steps of grieving because I didn't have that structure anymore. I didn't meet with my classmates every week. I didn't meet with my professors every week. I didn't have an assignment you know, to focus on. Now I just stepped out of a bubble and have all this extra space and time to live my life and reestablish a balance and all of that. And it's not as simple as just like running out there and just being like, yes, now can I, I can embrace life. It's like, wow, like I'm actually feeling bad about not being in school anymore and going through this internal turmoil. And, the, you know, I've spoken to my classmates about it. And even our professors warned us in my last semester that this is something we're going to go through. And it was like, and I was thinking, really? But it's true. So it goes to show that, interestingly enough, it wasn't just grieving my uncle's death, but it was also overlapping with the grieving of no longer being a student. I forgot something else that I was grieving. Loss of the job. Yeah, I was gonna bring it up, <laughs> but then you said um, you said that you changed careers. The career change was a grieving process because I'm leaving a career that I was working in for almost ten years. You know, I was doing human resources, and now I'm changing. So now I'm starting over in some sense. There's a new career, working in a new place with a new set of responsibilities. So yeah, there's a there's a grieving of walking away from what I spent 10 years doing. And that came with its own mess of thoughts and feelings and discomfort. And, and it was a process that I'm still undergoing because it's going to continue until I delve into this new career and start getting some brand new experiences. And that's something that I'm aware of. I know where I am in that process in terms of the grieving of leaving that career. But losing my job by way of being laid off 
was a whole different thing because it wasn't my choosing. It came out of nowhere. And I was only fired once in my life, in my first job, because money issues with the company. But here, it was a blow to, one, my pride, my ego. I've always found myself to be very productive. I value the work that I do. I value the sense of responsibility and productivity. So being laid off, yeah, was a big hit to my ego. And it was a loss of a job. And people who have lost jobs for one reason or another, may know what I'm talking about when it's, when I say that. I went through a bout of depression and I went through all the stages. I went through denial because I was informed before my last day of work. So I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Anger because of the decision they made. I'm like, how dare they do this to me? You know, um, bargaining because I was just like, is there any way that I could make it easier for myself? Do, do, is there any way I can get my job back? Is there any way that... I can have some sort of security, right? And thankfully, I got a severance package and all that, and that was great. And then there was depression. Just me just laying around a lot, just very sad and lethargic about not having this job. And I made it mean so much about who I am as a person, and I was judging myself. There was guilt. There was shame. And... I was taking it so personally, even though it had nothing to do with my performance. A layoff is a layoff. Um, and then I got to start accepting it right around when I started looking for a new job. And after some time has passed and I started to be, as I started to accept the fact that I have this free time and I have the security of still getting paid for some period of time and knowing that I will eventually get a new job because I got laid off before I graduated. So that was a whole process for me. This is an interesting and unique time because of everything that's happening. But there was a lot of things that I was grieving that was overlapping with each other. It's interesting because when you're going through that much, you don't know what event in your life is hitting you from what angle at what time. And it's just amalgamation of thoughts and feelings. And it's hard to make sense of them. Um, and it's, it's sometimes it's overwhelming. But yeah, that was another loss, losing my job. And it's funny because despite all that, I was beating myself up mentally the whole entire time. And interestingly enough, another thing that came up for me is that because I was so focused in school, there were so many changes happening in my life that I was never really able to fully process. So when I finished school, then all of a sudden now I was able to think about my life the way it is now and how I got here and really take stock of the changes and all of the things that I've done. I mean, I got into a new relationship. I changed my career. I moved several places. I And before going into school, I left a long-term relationship. So there was a lot of things that I was doing where I was busy that got in the way of me being able to actually deal with all those changes. And now now it's like, it's right there in front of me. So I say all that to say that in my example, it elucidates the fact that when you're grieving or whenever a change happens in your life that impacts your life and it really changes the direction of your life, it's very important to take a moment to reflect on that change and see how you're feeling about that change and seeing how it's impacting your life. And you said, Frank, you know, acknowledging the fact that, yeah, it's going to cause changes in your behavior, the way you see things, your habits, your day to day. You might not even be as productive as you normally are at work or, you know, just around the house or whatever it is that you're responsible for. And that's because, you know, grieving and loss does affect you in such a way where you are sluggish 
You feel more tired. You feel heavier. um, And things just aren't as clear. So that actually lends itself to how you handle grief, which is you have to acknowledge it. You have to feel these things. You still have to do your day-to-day because there are extremes to how you can handle grief that is unhealthy. Mm -hmm. But still doing the things that you normally do, even if you feel like crap, while not distracting myself or ourselves and not running away from how we are feeling about these changes and how it's impacting us because it's going to creep up later anyways. Right. It's like a, it's like an, a form of anxiety because it's, it's just something that occupies your mind. It takes up residence in your brain and it doesn't leave until you deal with it. And it's tough. We, we are, as human beings, want to have things easy. We don't like being uncomfortable. I mean, part of our survival is to find comfort. And so it can take on many different forms, be like, you know, comfort food or, you know, other habits, drinking, drinking, drugs, whatever. And, you know, I'm not advocating or saying anything of of any sort. I'm just saying that these things are there and people do that. Right. You know, I, I tend to not drink. I think in more modern times, I will deal with things more readily. But that's just me and my training. It has nothing to do with like normal people and normal things. I am abnormal when it comes to this stuff. And I, I, I have to recognize that. And how I deal with things is not going to necessarily resonate with most people. Um, and it may seem very cold and uh, uncaring. But the reality is like, I, like with my dad, yeah, I loved him. I, and I had no problems with him. In fact, I made sure I got to see him before he passed away and I was fortunate because it was three weeks before he passed I didn't know he was going to go but at 86 years old and with relatively poor health it could be any moment and he was losing his mental faculties so in a sense for me right you know right there he was already fading away so that's a factor as well and there's no right way or wrong way around any of this it's going to happen It may have different levels of confrontation. It may have none. It may have no impact on you or like no effect on you either. And sometimes it scares people. It's like, what's wrong with me? And the answer is nothing. There's nothing wrong with you. You can talk to a therapist about it and maybe work on it that way. And maybe there's nothing there. And maybe you're just so complete with the loss that you had. Not saying that you don't miss the person. You probably do and likely do. It's just that there's no conflict and that's great. And you should be glad instead of worried. Yeah, you're talking about acceptance because that's the final stage of grief. And you're absolutely right. You might not go through any of the steps. You might not even go through them in the, in the way that it's laid out. Just to be clear, when we're talking about the stages of depression, we're talking about the first one being denial. Then it's anger. Then it's bargaining. Then it's depression. And then there's acceptance. And... Which each one, even though it's laid out in that order, it doesn't mean that you'll experience them in that order. If You can start off with anger. You can start off with depression. You can start off with bargaining. It doesn't matter. Everyone's different. And, and you may deal with only a couple of those steps or, like Frank said, none at all. And it's important to just remember that when dealing with grief and when losing somebody or going through some sort of change, it's not about trying to have a control over the process and making sure you hit all of the stages and that it's looking the way that you would see if you were to look it up online. It really comes down to, are you aware of what you're going through? And are you doing your best to live your life the way that you need to live it and that you may want to live it despite the impact of that loss? 
And just to do our best not to indulge in things that are maladaptive ways of coping. So you may see somebody who loses a girlfriend and all of a sudden they're going out every single night with their friends getting hammered and trying to um, get laid. And you may see that person be like, wow, well, you know, they're really just trying to live their lives and, you know, good for them. But it may actually be a representation of an unhealthy coping mechanism because all that partying, all that drinking and, and, and trying to get laid distracts the person from their loss. I can relate to that aspect because when I left my long-term relationship in the past, I was very busy. You know, I was partying too, but I was also working on a lot of things for myself personally to like get my, my shit together. And when the pandemic started and I had a lot more time to just reflect and um, a lot of memories and a lot of unresolved things were coming up for me there. And I had to deal with that. And the fact that it caught me by surprise made it hard for me. You know, I, I drank. Right. And that was also because now we're conflating the pandemic and my schooling and all of that with now processing a breakup that happened in the past and delving deeper into a lot of the things that I didn't deal with. Then came drinking, smoking and trying to find ways to distract myself. It could be as simple as just watching YouTube videos all day. Yeah. You know. Or forcing myself to work when I'm no real well, I'm tired and burnt out, just so that I don't have to think about it. Dude, I'll tell you, after my last breakup, first thing I did was go to work, and it was a fucking blizzard outside. <laughs> you see the things you do, man, to try to avoid feeling it. Yeah, I mean, the day right after it, I went on a hike, trying to be present with the pain and my anger around it and all that stuff, or just... Honestly, I wasn't even angry yet. I got angry eventually, but and yeah, I I just was like, nope, going to work. The next day, I was like, uh, I don't want to be home with my thoughts, kind of a thing. And then eventually, as as people started to see like the expression on my face, and it was the beginning of the end. I think for three months, I was just drinking. Mm. I was going out all the time. I was hungover at work every morning. <laughs> And that's no good. And even one of my friends came to me and said, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I think I really it was too much of a distraction for you to actually deal with this. And, you know, I didn't consider that. Like, I, you know, I was having fun, in quotes, but then I was still complaining about this chick from, like, several months ago. And it's just like, the needle's not moving. It means that I'm not doing anything about it. I'm just doing everything but. And it just kept me from finding any resolution you know, up until I started doing self-development programs and then really made some actual progress in my life, not just with that whole thing, but just everything in my life because it was just I was not operating on all cylinders, you know, mentally. <laughs> which is normal. Yeah. You know, which is normal. The other side of it is isolation. The other side is wanting to just stay in bed all day, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where the depression stage can become something more than just grieving and it could become full-blown depression where now it's no longer about you dealing with the loss and now it's more about this depression creeping in and now having a control over your life. Um, and that's something that I went through after graduating. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that I was burnt out for a long time. I needed rest. My body wanted me to rest even though I wanted to enjoy my free time. And also, we're still dealing with the pandemic, so it's not a lot to do. But I would spend a lot of my time just laying in bed, sleeping in, not doing much, 
And thankfully, I had the podcast to work on, looking for a job, so preparing myself for that. But in between, I just felt like I weighed like a thousand pounds and I just wanted to lay in bed and do nothing. Thankfully, it hasn't lasted long because I started to feel kind of like an upswing over the course of some time. But I'm glad I allowed myself to just kind of lay around because it was something in my system that needed to go out. And thankfully, I also keep in communication with people who are always checking in on me and seeing what I'm doing. And even if I tell them, hey, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I do feel a little bit ashamed of the fact that I'm not doing a lot and I'm just laying around most of the time and I'm telling this person what I'm doing, but I'm still reflecting on the fact that, yeah, I'm I'm still pretty depressed. I'm still, you know, kind of sluggish. And um, it is what it is because those who know and the specialists, they always say, well, you know, you kind of have to honor the process Everybody takes a different amount of time. But yeah, it's it's real. It's real and it's good to know these things and be informed about what grief could look like so that we don't slip into depression or we don't slip into the equivalent of isolation or the equivalent of just hyper productivity and distraction so that we can have a balance where we can take it day by day, notice how we're feeling Try not to dwell too much into it, but to just understand that, yeah, we're carrying a load right now that is temporary, that is very uncomfortable, very painful, very unfortunate, very, you know, everything. But we're carrying it and we're still living our lives to the best that we can. And eventually it would pass. Right. And another thing about it is also when we finally get to acceptance, which I'm not quite sure I'm there yet because This is a very complicated time and there's so many ways that grief affects us and overlaps um, that I'm not quite sure if I'm there yet. But in terms of my understanding, it's like accepting is not that you don't remember it anymore or the pain doesn't pop up from time to time. It's that now you're able to accept that this is what happened. You lost this person or this change happened in your life that led to a loss And despite the fact that you may remember it and it's unpleasant and you don't like it and it may stir up negative emotions or unpleasant emotions, rather, you can still live your life. You can still look forward to the future. You can still embrace the fact that you still have your own life to live. And that's that, you know, it's just part of your history and something that you can remember. um, And you now have more control over how you proceed despite those feelings and memories yeah there's something else that popped in my mind of all of this like we're talking about if your person is grieving but what if you come across someone who is grieving clearly going through something and i i know a lot of people just it's it's an awkward thing to go up to someone and say hey you know do you need someone to talk to and not everyone is confident to do that is my opinion but i think sometimes just even the asking is enough for some people some and i know like for me i'll likely turn it down you know that's just my automatic thing like i'm in my head with it i got this it would require like a specific setting and you know situation for it to be where you're opening up right there and then it it takes yeah it takes a certain uh 
way of going about it, way of talking to that person, inquis- inquisition, if anything. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you interacting with that person? Are you really getting through to that person, you know, w- with the way you're talking to them? And sometimes it will take an effort. And I don't think a lot of people have that kind of patience for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to downplay anyone that, that is unwilling to, to do that because it, it, it takes a lot. And it takes a lot, especially if you're empathetic, it takes a lot of emotional energy to be that person. Yep. So I get that. And you really have to be, to the letter, selfless. Take yourself out of the equation. You don't have to relate to the person. You just have to hear the person. And sometimes even being that straightforward and specific to that person, like, listen, when I'm going through something... Sometimes all I want in life is for someone to listen to me, and I'm willing to be that for you. And give them the, the option to choose that. Don't force it on them. Like You have to do this. This is for your own good. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You're doing more harm to that relationship than good. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's a delicate situation. Yeah. And it's a situation where you have to be willing to assume the responsibility because then there's the other side of asking someone how they're doing and then they start sharing with you and you may feel uncomfortable. And our own relationship with discomfort and deep topics or heavy topics could be one where we don't really want to hear it or we don't have much of a bandwidth for it. So we might even subconsciously start to try to remedy the situation, throw out advice, throw out solutions or try to turn it into a positive by focusing on maybe something in this situation like, oh, you know, well, it's not that bad. It could be worse. Or at least you didn't X, you know, something that really tries to make the situation more comfortable and light. But that's only for yourself. It's not for the person who is going through the grieving. So it could also say something about our relationships with grieving ourselves that may shed some light on how we handle it when other people are going through it. Because Mm -hmm. I would like to think based on how the teachings on how we handle life and how we handle situations that it starts with us. So if we have a hard time handling the grieving process and allowing ourselves to feel the feelings and go through these moments, that might translate how we approach other people when they're going through it. So I think that being mindful of the fact that there's a responsibility to listen to somebody when they're going through something. Yeah, yeah. You know, we need to practice patience. We need to practice active listening and passive listening where we ask the right questions to try to get a better understanding what they're going through. Passive listening of just like letting them just say everything they need to say, because I mean, shoot, sometimes we need to vent and avoiding that impulse to go into solution mode, go into problem solving mode. Yeah. Or even trying to comfort them because we're just really trying to comfort ourselves. Yeah, yeah. It's, I never thought about it that way, but it's clearly the case. And I, I, my personality wants to fix everything. And I would go right into like solution mode. Let's, let's fix your problem. Let's fix your grieving right now. Let's go to it. And it doesn't work that way. No. Subconsciously, we just want that moment to then end up being resolved in such a way, and then we could pat ourselves in the back. That's exactly, really what it is. exactly. We did it's it. Very selfish. It's yeah. very egocentric. Yeah, it's funny because, like, in school, 
because I don't know if I mentioned in a prior episode, but I got my master's in social work. They teach us that when we're working with clients, we need to practice that. And a lot of it has to do with listening to the client and allowing them to talk about everything that they want to talk about. And whenever it comes to asking questions to know more about the situation or giving information so that they're more informed about their situation or even lending advice, which is something that is rarely done in in therapy, um, it's always done with such tact where it never diverts the conversation away from what the client is going through, what they're talking about. It's always very welcoming of the client's current state emotionally and mentally. So that same thing applies in in the way we just interrelate with other people when they're going through something. It's like the way I can describe it visually is like you're just sitting there listening, you know? Like you said, Frank, it doesn't matter what we're going through personally because we're here for that person, not for ourselves. So we just sit there, listen, 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 listen. After a while, things will come up where you can ask questions and offer advice with their permission that can help them move forward. But there's also patience. We can't resolve everything right now. I I just want to highlight what you said there is asking permission to give any advice. Because that's really where you're going to read what kind of reception you're dealing with. And that's, again, where you're listening has to be there. Yeah, you can't be worried about resolving this this situation that this person's in. And also as a hint of how to do this, how to talk to a person or listen, you have to deal with this like you're interviewing a person. And something that's a really, really common catch is you have a question in mind and all you're doing is thinking about that question. you got this question you want to ask this or this, this thing you want to talk about or say, and that's all that's on your mind because you don't want to forget it. You want to bring it up. Meanwhile, you haven't listened to a single word that person has said. Because part of it too is like, it's listening to people, but we also should be listening to what we're thinking and what we're feeling because something of value may come up. But if it's not our time to talk, Practicing how to let go of these thoughts and feelings and continuously being in the moment with this person and just continuously listening and not pretending to listen, but rather actually following along what they're going. That's a skill. That's something to practice. But it's one that adds tremendous value to the people in your lives. And it's also good practice for ourselves. Yeah. Because subconsciously and sometimes consciously, we can go through something and our mind could just continuously have this chatter where it's all about pacifying the moment and that immediate gratification, immediate gratification. And it's not about allowing ourselves to go through the process and have that patience with ourselves to go through the process. So it's just as much of a valuable skill to develop for the people in your life as it is for yourself so that we can go through these moments in a much healthier way. Yeah, and sometimes some people just need to be in that moment. They need to be in it. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to fix there. Yeah. It's just that's where they are. That's the stage they're on. And if it's a situation that requires professional help, maybe it's a 911 situation, maybe they're, they're suicidal or what have you. And I don't request that you jump to conclusions on that. Know your place. Know you're not professional. And 
but it's just sometimes you just know that something's off. Again, asking permission, asking questions, showing concern, being compassionate. Mm -hmm. These are the things that carry the weight of any conversation when it comes to people that are going through something. Yeah. And to expand on what you were saying about we're not experts, we also need to ingrain ourselves that it's not our responsibility to help the person. It's not our responsibility to get them out of the situation. It's not our responsibility to hold their hand out of this. That's not it. Our responsibility when we choose to assume it is to just be supportive. And sometimes that's more than enough. You know, when we try to be helpful without the direction of the other person, then we're just assuming that we know what's best. And that also hurts the other person and might dissuade them from wanting to talk to you more about this because they don't feel like they're being heard. And that's why therapists and specialists exist. You know, they're the ones that will try to go in deeper and deeper and actually help this person as long as the person is allowing them to be helped and open to to this help. Because otherwise, you know, it's just like that analogy of bringing a horse to water. You can take them to the water, but they're the ones that's going to drink. You can't force their head into the water and make them drink. We can only go as far as the other person is willing to allow us to go. And that's where you talking about, Frank, you know, they are where they are and they choose to deal with the situation the way that they are. And the last thing they want is to be told what to do or or feel like they're being reprimanded. Yeah. You know, because they're in a very delicate state, it can actually push them further into whatever unhealthy habits, coping mechanisms that they choose to go to for comfort. Yeah. And like I said, you're just looking to ruin that relationship at that point. Even though you think you're being helpful, you're not. And you just have to own that. You have to just really be there for them and not for you and not for the pat on the back that you're going to give yourself later, Mm -hmm. which I've been guilty of numerous times in my life. And yeah, while helping people being that feels great, you know, it comes with the cost and the cost may be that relationship, that friend you had. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Then you're going to be going through your own grieving process. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then you're going to be like, oh, now I know what they feel like. <laughs> Sometimes we may feel like we're over something and then out of nowhere, we start to get another bout of like depression, anger, sadness, you know, that we may feel just as good as we were, maybe even better than before we experienced the loss that we did. And we may think, wow, well, you know, I'm over it. Look how great I'm feeling. Everything is great. Da-da-da-da. I'm feeling brand new, like my old self, maybe even better. And then it'll come back and all of a sudden you're like, wait, what happened? I was feeling so great before. Why am I feeling so down all of a sudden? And that's because it comes in waves sometimes. And although we may think we're over it, the body, the mind, the heart are still going through this, still processing this. And and another way of thinking about it is like it's an ode to the person or thing that you lost. You know, it's an ode to how significant it was in your life. Yes, it will cause ripples. And it's not just an easy, you know, one, two, three, I'm over it. It's a process that we undergo for as long as it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes I know, like, for myself, I'll kid myself. Like, people are asking me, like, hey, are you over this yet? I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. And I'm really not. I'm just pretending. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens. <laughs> you know? Like, you really desperately want it to be over it. Mm-hmm. And you want to, like, fake it till you make it. I'm going to tell you right now, 
that don't work no. for nothing. No. Nothing. No. It's one thing to say it's okay because you don't want to actually enter in that conversation at that point in time. That's actually acceptable because sometimes you just want to hang out. You know, yeah. you're going through it and you want to make that effort to be like, you know, right now I just want to hang out with my friends. I don't want to think about it right now. I know I'm going to think about it later. Let me just have fun. At least that's authentic. Yes. But then there's times when people are really checking in and you're going through it and it would behoove us to really just be honest. Even if we might not elaborate on it, just being honest. But we don't. And we're like, nah, everything's okay. And when it's not. Yeah, and it's it's fine if you don't want to talk about things. Mm-hmm. It really is. And maybe you're just not ready for it. Maybe you're resisting that conversation for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the pain is too much mm-hmm. in your mind. Like conceptually, it's too much. Right. Because keep that in mind. It's It's all conceptual until you actually delve into it and actually work through it. There's so much that we conceptualize and never really actually take care of. And then when it's done, it's like, it's done. Yeah. And like I put myself through all this mental anguish for nothing. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it is a chore. Sometimes it is a lot to look through ourselves and why we react the way we do to certain things, to certain traumas, etc. And it's all valid. That's the thing to keep in mind. It's all valid. Again, forgiveness. That's right. That's right. So at the end of the day, grieving is a part of life. At one point or another, we're going to lose somebody. We're going to lose something. And it's not up to us to take it with a strong chin and be stoic and show no emotions and act like everything's okay. It's up to us to embrace these moments, embrace these emotions, and accept that this is what happened to us. This is what happened to the people in our lives. And it's up to us to allow ourselves, give ourselves the permission to go through this process Talk to the people you need to talk to, whether it's a therapist, your friends, and give yourself the permission to live your life the best that you can and be patient with the process because eventually you will get through to the other side. Things will look better. Things will get better despite the fact that we can't change the past. Yeah, you just have to live with it. And you may not like it, but that's just the way it is. But guess what? You can do it. You know, we can, we're so capable very uh, resilient. Yeah, we're very resilient. More resilient than we think we give ourselves credit for. And there's just so much out there that you can do for yourself that it's just about willingness in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think that there's, there's so much power in being willing to go through something that's tough and, and instead of resisting and succumbing to the powerlessness of what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. It's so easy so easy to fall to that and that's you know again you can forgive yourself for that as many times as you need to that you actually get up and muster the strength to to deal with it and we could be talking about something that someone's dealing with for the past 10 years or longer it happens like when you just said what you said about like kind of let's put it put the phrase into it manning up Mm. um Mm -hmm. which is just horseshit it's toxic yeah it's bad I, I'm going to go back to my dad again. He was that type of guy. He, you never saw the man crack. 86 years, never saw him crack. Uh, I remember after my mom died, his, his wife, and I, I had to ask him, are you sad? And he was sad, but he just has a different way of handling it. Mm-hmm. 
and his way of handling it is by bottling it up mm. and uh, literally, figuratively, but I think in this case he was just keeping it to himself, processing it by himself, and um, and I'm just saying it doesn't have to be that way because you won't know what's going to manifest from that. You don't know how that's going to affect you, your personal relationships, your productivity, just who you're being as a person. It's, it's going to have a significant effect whether you like it or not and whether you know it or not. And, you know, I, I just, just to be clear, I think there's going to be a lot of grumpiness, a lot of anger, a lot of disassociative behavior. And, you know, the, the man up stuff, take it out of your, your lexicon. It, it doesn't belong because mm. it's, it's, it's foolishness. Yeah. Have your feelings, go through them, share them. Mm-hmm. The more sharing you do, the better. But I think at the same time, you don't want to be that guy that just shares with anyone at any time. <laughs> the other extreme. That, that dude that's at the bar that'll talk to anyone in the bathroom. Oh, just all the inappropriate things. Right. But I mean, yeah, just say, hey, you know, I got this thing that I really want to get off my chest. Can I confide in you mm-hmm. to talk about this? And, and like in the reverse, like where you want to talk to the person that's grieving, you get their permission if they want advice or if, if they even want to talk at all. Mm-hmm. It's good to also do that too so that when you're sharing yourself with someone that you can share with confidence that this is going to be someone that's actually going to be actively listening to you mm-hmm. and not just like letting you say what you're going to say and they're just in la-la land. Mm-hmm. So that will be helpful for your your psyche as well because you don't want to have that disappointment along with your grieving and and all that. It'll benefit you to know what you're getting into before you go into it. And I know like a lot of times it's like out of desperation. Like you really want to get this this load off. Uh, And sometimes it's even like a confrontation. Maybe it is a friend that the friend that you lost as, as a friend, not just as a human being that like ceases to exist, but like. The relationship yeah you whoever knows what the case is doesn't matter but you did something to sully that and you finally came to terms with the fact that i'm at fault i messed up the next step would be to bring it up to that person after you've admitted it to yourself and then whether they forgive you or not that's not the goal the goal is that you are going to get that off of your mind and take care of it and then the next step would be repair and let them have their say. And if they take you back as a friend, great. If not, you can keep asking for forgiveness. But at a certain point, never say never, but sometimes ships sail off and they never come back. Mm-hmm. That's the whole part of acceptance. Things are how they are, whether we like it or not. You know, if you're grieving right now, obviously you, you're going through what you're going through. And, you know, I wish you all the best in being able to handle this and get through this the healthiest way possible. But, you know, one thing that was an unpleasant reality for me as I was going through what I'm going through is that we can't expect people to know what we're going through, even if they've gone through something similar, because everybody's different and everybody responds to challenges and and hard times differently. And that was something that internally I was looking for. I was hoping to find that when I spoke about what I'm going through, that People will be understanding and to the degree really know what I'm going through. But unfortunately, and no fault to anybody because we all live different lives and have different experiences. They just didn't understand it, you know, and and that's where the value of having a group that is going through the same things came in. Because being able to talk to my classmates about 
the grieving of not being in school or the hardships of post-graduation was what I needed. It was what I needed because they knew exactly where I was coming from. So the approach, their responses was all under the context of, well, I know what you're going through. I'm going through it myself. And this is what I personally think would be ideal in this situation. It kind of helps that they're all social work students anyway. So there's the added you know, information there. But it's, it's valuable to be around people who are going through the same thing. So that's why support groups are so helpful because you're around people who are going through the same experience and understand what it's like. And being able to connect with them and bond with them as you're all collectively going through this challenge together it's a great source of catharsis of healing and it can also facilitate the process of getting through this so yeah i mean if you're out and you're talking to people about your problems fantastic just be careful not to have that expectation whether it's subconscious or not that people are going to know what to say or know what to do to help you feel better you know some people just may not understand and again no fall on anybody. We live life and we have our experiences and we understand certain things and we don't understand others. But don't let that be a deterrent from you continuously looking for that support, providing yourself that support and doing what you need to do in life. Yeah. You have to be kind to yourself. You have to be forgiving of yourself wherever stage you're at. Uh, forgiving of whatever the loss was. A lot of that will provide you that acceptance. And don't expect anything to happen super quick i mean i may have gone through my father's loss within the matter of like eight days or so and that's pretty rapid and there were some things that were still going on in there but i was very accepting of it right away because i knew that it was going to happen that's just how it worked in my situation and not everyone in my family went through that the same way they had their own grievances to deal with like you know, everyone had a different relationship with that man. And that's a big factor of it. So when it comes to this sort of a thing, it's going to take some time, more than likely. And allow it to have that time. I mean, if you're just being self-indulgent and just saying that it's taking, it's just taking a lot of time, there may be something you're not doing. If you're going to be really, really honest with yourself, you'll know what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, don't kid yourself. Just go through it. It's hard, but so are a lot of things in life. And if we choose to not do things because they're hard, you're not going to see any progress, and you're just going to get what you're, what you're going to get is more of the same. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this episode right now to see more people really get through what they're going through and give them the options of least insight of what their options are to mitigate and really have some insights that will help you through this situation. And, um, you know, it's a a tricky time right now. And that's why I thought this was an important thing to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you're grieving, allow yourself to grieve. If you're not, God bless you. And just keep in mind that These things can happen at any moment and keep yourself aware of what you're going through, how you're handling it, who are you including in your life to be your support team. And if you're seeking professional help, right, but you're not alone in this, you're stronger than you think, you're more resilient than you think. And even if you might not see the end of the tunnel, 
there is an end of the tunnel and it will eventually come. It's just a matter of being patient and compassionate and gentle with yourself while not succumbing to the temptations of maladaptive coping mechanisms. And that's that. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Amali Mali Podcast with Frank and Sergio. You can find us on your favorite platform like Google, Spotify, Apple, and others. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Unmanly Mally Podcast. No underscore and no punctuation. See you next time. <laughs>